Welcome to Mike and Mike Theology Plus, the podcast where we talk about all things related to Christian theology. Welcome back to Mike and Mike Theology Plus. Uh, We're going to pick up in mid-conversation for part two of this discussion on the covenants and dispensationalism. All right, so what was the first covenant? The covenant of works in the garden with Adam. And this was pre-fall? Yes. Okay. And uh, so I have it called creation dispensation, but probably similar. It's two names for the same rows. Um, so, uh, well, maybe there's some similarities, but I doubt that yours and mine have the same duration and extent. Yeah. Cause my, the, well, the creation dispensation would end once the fall happened. Whereas I'm going to guess you're going to say the covenant continued. Uh, all humans who have ever lived have fallen under the covenant of works as yeah. covenant breakers. Okay. So you want to talk to us about the covenant of works? So uh, in the garden, God gave Adam certain commands. Now, it is true that you have to use later scripture to shine light to get the fullest revelation because the word covenant's not mentioned in Genesis 1, 2, and 3 um, before the fall. But you do have... Uh, prohibitions. Adam is told he's given he's given work to do. He's given prohibitions. He can't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, and when he fails in the implicit and kind of later revealed um, violation of the positive commandments, the Ten Commandments that were given to Adam in the garden, uh, when he fails, where is that recorded? And just um, well. Exodus 20 is a restipulation of the covenant of works. And in Genesis chapter 6, God tells Noah that he's going to establish a covenant which presupposes an existing one. And there's in one of the prophets, it talks about Adam breaking the covenant. So no one should go to Genesis 1, 2, or 3 to find the Ten Commandments. Oh, no. it's it. You can see it there, but it's not. Uh, that's a narrative passage. That's not a didactic passage the same way that Exodus 20 is or the same way that some of Paul's epistles are. It's not that it's, uh, it's not explicitly called out in the same way that others are at other times, but, um, you know, we can get into some of this later. So I, yeah, commandments are clearly eternal. Scripture just makes that explicit over and over and over. And so we just recognize that that, naturally goes back into the garden um, because it's the only way to make sense of other passages in the Old Testament, Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 2. And to be fair to other great theologians out there, they would agree with you at least on nine of the ten. So I think the only sticking point is on the fourth commandment. Um, So there are... Except New Covenant theologians are very quick to point out they would say that all of those nine that you're talking about are part of the law of Christ, but they would say we do not follow the Ten Commandments as the Ten Commandments. So you're saying, yeah, so let's, 
Because, I think we're, because they say that's part of the Mosaic Law. You cannot divide the Mosaic Law in any way, shape, or form. And the entirety of the Mosaic Law was abrogated in Christ. And so anything we follow now, we follow Christ, not Moses. That's how they would put it. Right. Yeah, yeah. But they wouldn't say that you can murder. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, so Greg Kokel talks about... Um, you know, if you're in Arizona, are you subject to the laws of California? No, because you're you're not, you're not under those laws. Can you murder in Arizona? No. Well, there's a law against murdering in California, okay? But there's also a law against murdering in Arizona because we recognize that as a universal moral obligation. And so, the Ten Commandments would reflect those universal moral obligations that are that are eternal. And so. We don't murder because it's wrong, not because it was in the covenant between God and the Israelites. And I think that's what you're saying. No, I, I would say it's not because it was in the covenant between God and the Israelites, but because it's part of the perpetually binding covenant of works. Yeah, I just wouldn't call it the covenant of works. I mean, as a dispensationalist, that's a, a new term. Is Adam your federal head? Uh, yes. Under what? Well, he's not anymore, but he was. Under what? I don't know. Under, I mean, if you can give it a name, I'm not saying I object to the concept. I'm just, uh, I'm not familiar with the term covenant of works. So, um, we would, I, I would, we wouldn't call it that. I don't think. Um, so some folks would say that the Sabbath keeping, was a temporary, not an eternal command. Um, not that they would suggest that you don't meet with the um, elect on a regular basis, but that they, uh, they're saying that the Sabbath keeping was part of the Mosaic law. And, and when the Mosaic law went away, it, it went away as well. I know that's not the position you hold. It is not. Um, but there are lots of good guys who hold that position. Yeah, there are a lot of good guys who are mistaken. <laughs> I will say that, in, in all seriousness, I will say this too. Sabbath keeping, by far, like it's not even close. It's been the dominant position of the church for almost all of church history. The, the idea of not keeping a Sunday Sabbath is a very, very recent innovation theologically. Yeah, and I think the people who, well, obviously there's folks who are just out in right field who don't even meet with the church. Mm -hmm. um, if, well, let's say that you were in a place where um, Monday was the, the day off and not Sunday. Let's say we were in a country where Monday was the day that everyone had off and the church decided to meet then. You're okay with that? No. So you think it has to be the first day of the week? Yes. All right. That's established by the resurrection. So what about when Paul says some people favor other days over some days, but we know that all the days are alike? We that's a, we that's a loose to, We need paraphrase. to differentiate between the eternal Sabbath commandment, 
and the positive commandments that were part of the Mosaic law. If you go back to creation, God sanctifies the seventh day and sets it apart. Mm-hmm. In the Ten Commandments, the Sabbath is not Saturday. The Sabbath is just the Sabbath. God also gives additional positive commandments that it's on the sixth or the seventh day of the week, that if you break it, you'll be stoned. I mean, there, there's other things that go along with it that are part of So you're saying of, in Exodus 20, he doesn't dictate which day it is. He just says, keep the Sabbath day holy. Yeah, the fourth commandment is honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Well, he goes on to say in six days he made everything, and then on the seventh day he rested. That kind of implies that the Sabbath is the seventh day there, Saturday. No, it just implies that there's a one and seven pattern. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I just looked at the camera because that's how an old earth creationist would take that same thing, but go ahead. No, it's seven literal days, and the reason that he took seven was to set up a pattern for us. Yeah. You know, because there's a literal seven-day week now. There was a literal seven-day week of creation. But the fact that he worked, I mean, there's thousands of Reformed books that talk about this, um, or covenant theology, you know, Reformed theology, covenant theology is kind of the same thing. Um but basically, most people would say that it was the seventh day of the week originally because you w- get the rest after the work. And with the resurrection of Christ, we now have the rest on the first day of the week. And we're looking for, I mean, are we not looking forward to an eternal Sabbath rest? Yeah, Hebrews says we get to enter into that. Okay, so w- why then would we have a Sabbath rest from creation till Christ? from his second advent for all eternity but for some reason during the church age which i would dispute that terminology it it goes away i mean that does yeah uh, and i would never be one to say let's not meet on sunday you know that um and i i just i don't know maybe i just haven't worked through it enough i obviously we're not saying that all the strictures that go along with the mosaic sabbath are on us now mm-hmm. well and this is where i think you shared with me a video that greg kokel did about the sabbath and i think amy was asking him questions and they were both kind of laughing and saying oh well they don't keep the sabbath anyway and honestly that just shows that they haven't done a whole lot of reading in reformed literature because there's a huge distinction between the eternal commandment and other positive commandments that might be added to it at certain times. Saturday is not the only day that a Sabbath can be. So, yes, I agree with you. The strictures that were added during the time of the Mosaic Covenant are no longer binding. They were part of the civil and ceremonial laws. The moral law is that the, I mean, I think in the Westminster and the London Baptist, it says something like, as it is apportioned, one day and seven, I don't remember exactly what it is, but basically it was from, it was on the seventh day of the week from creation till Christ. And by the virtue of the resurrection of Christ, it was moved to the first day of the week. So just to, just to summarize and put a, um, pin, in it. pin in it. Is that what it's called? A cover over it? Just so we can, we'll, we'll, we'll maybe pick this up. So, during the uh, pre-fall, mm-hmm. 
all mankind was under the covenant of works. I mean, all mankind was two. Yeah, it's ever, it's all. Yeah. Um, they were charged to be fruitful and multiply, to take care of the garden, to not eat of the fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, they. So it's hard from so at least for covenant theology, they were given also the other commands like do not murder, do not steal. Mm-hmm. In addition to keeping a seventh day of rest, mm-hmm. um, and you uh, take the Exodus twenty giving of the commandments where God said. Um, Keep the Sabbath, remember the Sabbath today to keep it holy. Four and six days, uh, God created the heavens and the earth. On the seventh day, he rested. That's just a seven, a six to one ratio. It's not necessarily at that point in time saying that it's a Saturday Sabbath. Correct. Okay. Yeah, I, at least just for the listeners, um, this is hard for me to to not that I would think that murder is okay pre fall. I just don't know if Adam and Eve, having not experienced evil, if their moral uh, abilities included murder at that time. I don't know. I've always considered them more with a childlike innocence, so that stealing or lusting or coveting just wouldn't be possible in their nature. And it wasn't until they did the one thing that would allow them to disobey. Then it allowed them to those other things to be even possibilities. Will thou shalt not murder still be true in heaven? Oh yeah. Well, yeah. So the, will we be able to, Okay, I thought I misunderstood what you meant. So you're talking about in eternity. Yeah. In eternity, would it be wrong for beings of equal status for one of them to make the other one to not exist in some way? Um, is murder still wrong? <laughs> I don't think murder will be possible in heaven. But is it still wrong? Um, there will, there will, so be, but there will be no they, beings. So they were able there are to no disobey. beings capable. There are no beings capable of murdering in eternity. But thou shalt not murder would still be in accordance with God's nature. So it's still yeah. an eternal truth. And by the way, how are they incapable of murdering or stealing? But they were capable of direct disobedience to a commandment given to them by the mouth of God. Yeah. So I think the. I, I well, those are those are good questions. It's just that the I think how they came to know good and evil was that they disobeyed. They experienced good and evil. Um and once they once they disobeyed, then obviously we both agree their nature changed. Mm-hmm. Um and now these other sins were available to them but the way you're describing that it almost seems like they were passive or not as guilty or i mean they just chose to disobey god right right and by the way i would argue that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was a teaching tree either way had they obeyed 
it would have taught them good. They would have learned what it meant to abide in obedience to God and what it meant to actually live out righteousness. Yeah, I don't, I don't have, I'm not, I'm not thought of that, but I don't have anything. So my, my point is I don't, I believe it was an experiential tree, not necessarily a cognitive. We don't know what good and evil are because if they don't know what good and evil is, then how are they culpable for their disobedience? If well, they, just going, well, they huh, definitely we understand that they're not supposed to uh, eat fruit from this tree. Okay. Um, but if they have no knowledge of good and evil. I'm saying that they, well, they didn't have a fallen nature. Agreed. So. They don't have experiential knowledge of evil. Correct. But they still, their choice to disobey God was still on their heads because yeah. they were culpable. Yeah, I'm not saying that. I'm not sure what I'm saying that. So they knew ahead of time that disobedience to God was evil. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I'm confused by Eve's statement that even if you touch it, because that clearly wasn't what God said. And some have have speculated that Adam had given her extra strictures so that it wasn't even chance that she she would eat it. I don't know that that's the case. I don't it, it know. It could be that God said it and it just wasn't recorded. Yeah. I mean, we we the point is we just don't know. Right. I never even considered that. I always assumed that she was just misinformed or I I think that Adam told her don't touch it is probably the most likely one, but the point is we're just not told. Yeah. We just don't know why she said don't touch it. Yeah. It it just seems to me that like murder and lust wouldn't even come into their mind. You know like when Paul said that he didn't even, you know, it wasn't until he read "Don't Covet" that he started coveting, and it's like when sometimes you, you have kids, it's like the parents who like make a big deal out of something like "Do not touch that." Like now, that's the thing that their their sin nature is inflamed to go touch, and so since Adam and Eve didn't have a sin nature, it's to me it's like these other things aren't even on their radar. And why that, were they inflamed? Because God said, don't touch, don't eat that fruit. And then Satan said, hey, that fruit's going to be good. You're going to be like God. You don't have to follow his ways. Did they not violate the first commandment? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not. Yeah, this is more of a, uh, I don't know how much practical output it has, but it uh, definitely has a, uh, just trying to think of whether the Ten Commandments were given or not. So now. I mean, some people would put it that the Ten Commandments are a summary of the eternal moral nature of God. And so they are still binding upon us so that they, you know, I've heard some people express it more like God wrote that this was something that was impressed on the heart of mankind because we were made in the image of God. And yeah, so, it'd be much more. I don't know that you've necessarily got a view of two tablets coming down to Adam like they did to Moses. But the point is the Ten Commandments. I'm much more comfortable with that concept. The Ten Commandments that the, perpetuate. The, the Ten Commandments are pixelated versions of God's nature. And that God's nature in the Imago Dei were, was stamped on 
Adam and Eve. So I don't, I mean, if I don't know that it's important to me that God listed out the 10 commandments to Adam the same way he did at Sinai to Moses, I think that the same content was delivered. I think, I think the 10 commandments are something that every man knows. And I think that is what we are suppressing. According Do, to Paul. Does every woman know it? I still like the generic <laughs> masculine. Okay. Just, I, that's um, just for our listeners. No, but I, I think it's the only way to make sense of Romans 2. When it says that they died without the law, but where there is no law, there is no sin. For the longest time, that confused me. And then finally, and I'm sure this occurs to everybody else, like the first time they read it, because it is rather obvious once you see it. I just was like, Paul, what are you saying? And went on. But... <laughs> They were under a law. Mm -hmm. They died because they were under a law. And that law was the Ten Commandments, which was given in creation and binds all mankind because we are under that covenant of works. Yeah, so let's uh, let's try to find some common ground to end, end on this jumbo edition of Mike and Mike Theology Plus. I'm looking at the, the clock. So common ground, We they... they Started out innocent. Adam was about 6,000 years ago. I don't disagree with that. So, yeah, you said something in your, you were like, I don't think there are a lot of old earth creationists that have a recent Adam, but I think there actually are. I don't think I said that. I, I did. I do remember saying that that does not make any logical sense to me whatsoever. Yeah. So I agree. Adam was about, I would say six to 10,000 years ago. Um, I'd never heard your distinction of if you go beyond 6,000, you're not a young earth creationist, you're a new earth creator. Oh, I just threw that in while I was going over the... the yeah, I'd never heard of that. Just like, oh, you I'm never okay heard of that? extending it a little beyond 6,000. Well, we so there know. are folks, uh, and we're, we're taking a little bit of a tangent here, but hopefully you enjoy it. Um, there are for folks that are dogmatic about the counting of the the days and how they line up and i know that in genealogies and in, in jewish custom you could skip um generations so it could be not that i think that seth wasn't adam's literal child but it could be it would be okay for them to say adam um begat seth and there'd be several generations in between that um that wasn't if i'm not mistaken the genealogies of christ have that Right, they yeah. do, yeah. And Matthew says, you know, so there are seven from here to here and seven from here to here, and it's like you're leaving people out, you know. Fourteen. 14? Well, it's, it's two sets of sevens. Two, yeah, it's two sets of six. Yeah, anyways, we digress. So, but the how the years are given in Genesis don't seem to allow for that. And so some people get very dogmatic about like literally counting the years and they would say, if you give room up to 10 or 12 or 15,000 years, then you are not a young earth creationist. And so that's why some people have adopted this new earth creationist okay, model, well, title. Whatever. So Adam relatively recent within the last, um, I would say about 10,000 years, give or take four. um, was created in a state of innocence. Mm -hmm. um, they were to be righteous, 
that righteousness, uh, one of the, the key things was they weren't supposed to eat some fruit, and they did. And uh, they plunged us all into um, total depravity. So you, you and I were both, <laughs> well. It, it, it all comes back to the tulip. It, if, we're, <laughs> if we're talking about common ground, you and I believe that Adam was our federal head. Yes. That in Adam we fell. Yes. That we do have original sin. Yes. Um, we would at least agree that Adam's action is what caused death to enter mankind. Yes. I believe it's what caused death to enter the, the earth, world. period. Right. Um, but we at least agree that humans were created immortal. Correct. Because there are people out there who say that Adam is going to die no matter what. Yeah, I and I think we've nuanced this before. So I think you're like immortal, immortal, and I'm contingently immortal. But yes, they were created to be immortal. Well, I, the the classical reform position that I sort of tenuously but hold to is that Adam was given a probationary period, and had he been fully obedient throughout the whole probationary period, that it, he would have been sealed into righteousness, and therefore would have been in essentially a glorified state. Hmm. Yeah. That, I, I try to, how would you reconcile that with like acts four, where God saying he, no acts two, where God is saying that he ordained that these people would kill his son. That's why I don't necessarily hold yeah. to it all that tightly because I mean, what would have happened if Israel had been faithful? Right. Right. I mean, what uh, if they uh, hadn't asked for a king? How well, would they eventually gotten a king? You know, those are some of those imponderables. Well, but on the one hand, you, you look at God giving covenant stipulations to Israel that says, if then, if then, if then. And so you have an answer to what if. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we know that God is sovereign. He's right. providentially working out not not plan A, not plan B, but just the plan. Right. So, so you know, some of these... I think that the covenant was given with just like the covenant to Israel was given with, here's what happens if you do that, even though God knows they're going to do this and Christ is going to be needed to be their covenant keepers. Um, I think there was something on the positive side of the covenant of creation or the covenant of works that was never going to happen because God is ordaining the future. But, um, it it gets hard to think through those things sometimes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we believe all those things in common, and then um, that would put us into the next dispensation, the next way God's relating to people once they fall. Not really, actually. It <laughs> keeps us in the covenant of works. I mean, the covenant of grace is promised, and I believe it is active, at least retroactively, from the time of Adam on when the church mm -hmm. begins. Okay. You didn't catch that, but we can talk about it in the next episode. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to remember what my uh, my things are for, for signing out. It's I know it's from Micah. Not yeah. for Micah, but uh, from Micah. Think well. Do justice. Love mercy. Walk humbly. Bye. Thanks. You've been listening to Mike and Mike Theology Plus. 
the podcast where we talk about all things related to Christian theology.